Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Now, last week I started a story, and I've decided I'm not gonna finish it. Not really, I'm joking, I'm joking. So, uh, last week I told you that I had entered a... Uh, uh, rough stock rodeo and they, they had bareback and they had saddle bronc and and they had some other stuff Well, they had a wild mare race now or, or a wild horse race They don't have to be mares, but that's kind of what they called them down in Texas and, and basically what you had to do is you had this horse that had never been saddled never been ridden Nothing and they put a halter on it and they turn these horses all out at the same time And it's the quickest one that can get it stopped get it saddled and ride it so we're talking about like Basically what takes a real horseman a long time to do, you're doing in like a minute, one minute. And you want to talk, it's called wild for a reason. And so anyway, the reason this was so important to me is because there was a lot of people in my, kind of my second hometown, Fort Stockton, that had never seen me ride or, or anything like that. But I worked at the field force, that's in the prison system where you see like on TV where the guys are all riding horses and all the inmates are out there and they're... Uh, working and picking up rocks or clearing fields or, or whatever the case may be. That's what I did. Well, everybody that was entered up in the wild mare race were my co-workers. So you want to talk about some bragging rights? There was some bragging rights at work that was at stake. And so anyway, I was all kinds of pumped up. Now, I, uh, the, all the other teams were made up of field force officers, but I was smart. And I chose my dad and my little brother to be my partners because I, I, I knew what kind of uh, metal they was made out of. And, and both those men right there, they got grit. And so anyway, when we're all getting ready and I've got my saddle, I'm going to ride it. My dad's going to anchor, which means he's got the, the lead rope. And whenever the old uh, young horse comes flying out of there, he's going to hold on to it. And my brother's going to jump on his head like a spider monkey. <laughs> Well, they shoot this shotgun with blanks off, boom, and here the gates come flying open, and here come these horses, and I mean, they're rearing up and everything, and I'm glad I'm riding at this point. <laughs> Dad's holding it, and my brother's like, oh, oh, and finally he just goes for it, runs, jumps on its head, kind of gets it in the sweat lock, you know what I mean, like this, and um, he's holding it down, and... Um, that old horse rears up and just uses him like a speed bag. Just, and he never lets go. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to have to ride that? And so anyway, he kind of gets him held down and everything. And I run up there and I put the, I put the saddle on and I cinch it up tight. And I jump on and I kind of look around, right? We're doing real good. These other guys, man, they're, they're, having, they're having a hard time. And I get up there and I'm like, okay, let me have him. Let me have him. And they hand me the lead rope. And they let go, and nothing happens. You cowboys, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes it's better if they just blow up. Nothing happened, and I was like, and it goes. I was like, oh my gosh, this is getting worse by the minute. And so, anyway, I finally decide, just dolly gas. Just give it the gas. So I come out to about here with those spurs, and I go, and I mean, I fork that young horse like there's no tomorrow. And hell exploded. Oh my gosh. It come up and I mean it was all I, I was riding this saddle that you see right here. And when you get bucked out of this thing, you're dead. 
I mean, it'll hurt you more coming out of it than hitting the ground. And I even had a night latch. And I mean, I was all over the place here and there. And I was probably peeing a little, screaming. I mean, this was, this was man from Snowy River riding the devil, okay? But anyway, I kind of got her tapped out and she's bucking out across there. And I hear the whistle blow, meaning we won, right? Nobody else is even on their horse. And I was so glad. I was like, yeah, baby. Because, see, I had a surprise. I had a surprise. See, I was going to be a little bit of a show-off. And I'd fill my hat with baby powder. And whenever I won, I reached back, she's still bucking, and I took my hat off to fan it, and it's going to look like smoke went everywhere. And let me tell you what it looked like. What happened is I had about a can and a half of baby powder just fell in my eyes. That's all that happened. I couldn't see nothing. I was like, ah! Ah! And so I can't decide whether to put my hat back on. I'm trying to wipe my eyes and I'm just digging it in there further. I'm like, I think my eyeball's going to come out. And I'm screaming for help and everybody's just clapping. They're like, woo! Woo! And I'm like, ah! And still, now we're running around the pen and we're bucking around the pen and I can't see and I'm, the only thing in the world I want is off this horse. I want off. It looks like I'm a show off that I'm trying to do something but I can't see. So I finally, she kind of slows down a little bit and I thought, this is a great spot. And so I jump off. Now here's the part that I wish I would have had some eyeballs. Because the reason she slowed down is there was a big colt that she run right up next to. And so I jump off and I hit that horse right, my, my nose went up its butt. <laughs> that horse jumps forward and double kicks me right here. And I come up off the ground, I've got, my dad's got it on video. I come up off the ground about this high and I just land. In the back, in, on the arena. And so everybody's, woo, woo. And then there was a, and there was dead silence. Mainly because I had sucked all the air out of that entire Coliseum. I can't see. I was pretty sure I'd just been shot by a shotgun at point blank range. There was no air left in any part of my body or the building. But I told myself, you don't get up now. If you don't get up now, you're liable to never get up. So I crawled to my feet. I still can't see. And I did this. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, you need to come take Cowboy 101 and we'll introduce you to Lane Frost. The second mark of unmistakable Christianity, the, the thing that is given to all Christians... The first one is unmistakable optimism because God said, man, there's, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to worry about anything. Man, I have overcome the world. He says all of that. So there's no reason for us to be pessimistic or, or anything. I mean, God says you've already won. You've gained everything when you turned your back on the world. But the second mark of unmistakable Christianity is kind of like baby powder in your eyes. A lot of times, it's really, really hard to see. But just because you can't see, doesn't mean it's not there. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I might have said chapter 4, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 um, says this, But thanks be to God. That's what we talked about last week, being thankful. That's, that's how you, you're given that unmistakable optimism. But the second part here, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Now that kind of sounds like, what does that mean? Who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. That's the second mark of unmistakable Christianity. Unmistakable success. He always leads us. Remember what that said? Maybe. Maybe not. Still learning. Oh, there it is. Who always leads us in triumphal. Triumph. Always leads us in triumph. The second mark of unmistakable Christianity, the first is unmistakable optimism. The second is unmistakable success. But like I said, it's really, really hard to see sometimes. And the reason is this. We're going to talk about Paul for just a second, and then we'll get into some application. Hey, pardon me for just a second. We're fixing to hit the backside of this pasture, so it's time to step off and cinch him up. While we're down here, I want to see if you can help us out. We really do need a hand in this ministry, and the fact that you're listening right now means that you're riding with us. All you have to do is text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977, and you can help us out in less time than it would take to pull your rope down. Again, text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. Thanks for the hand, pards. Now you know Paul. Paul was the fella that in, in when Jesus was alive and then after he died, Paul was like nearly responsible for the first guy to die for his faith. It was a fella named Stephen. And when they took Stephen out, the, the real religious people, the same ones that killed Jesus, when they took him out to stone him, there was a Pharisee, which was just meant a real religious person that had been training to be like a priest or, you know, rabbi since he was, he was young. He held their cloaks while they killed Stephen. That same guy, once Jesus died and then came back to life and then uh, or was raised again and then he goes back up into heaven, Oh, Saul was this guy's name, later changed to Paul. Paul's walking down the road and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appears to him and says, in a bright light, says, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And Paul has a dramatic transformation. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. And at the end of his life, you want to talk about somebody that had unmistakable success. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He is stoned, snake bit. Uh, I think he was shipwrecked twice. I mean, this guy was beaten, I think, twice. He did the 40 minus 1 or whatever it was, where they beat him over the back till he was nearly dead. There was a lot of stuff that went on for Paul. One of those things was he was imprisoned towards the end of his life. He was imprisoned. And a lot of times we wouldn't really call that success today, would we? But see, God has a different way of looking at things. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Did you know that that is what your life 
goal is as a Christian? See, right before Jesus died, he told his disciples, his apostles, his cowboys that rode with him, he said, go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm always going to be with you. I ain't never going to leave you. That's what Jesus said. Go out into the world and tell people the good news. Unmistakable success. It may not look like imprisonment is a success, but Paul says right here, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. See, everything that you're going through, because I know a lot of you are having a real, real hard time right now. Everything that happens to us as Christians, that does not mean that God causes it, but God uses that if you will allow it. If you get your heart right and you understand that you are, as a Christian, you are supposed to be unmistakably optimistic and that success has been granted because God always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. In other words, unmistakable success. And it says right there that it has helped to spread the good news. We're doing a, a study at 4 o'clock here on Sundays. And if you're at home, I, su I, I suggest that if you're watching on the internet or listening on the radio, get the book. Uh, a friend of mine, Mark Klein, introduced me to it. It's in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And the entire study is basically what we view as problems might be our biggest opportunities to serve God. A lot of people go, well, I'm interested in this. That's going to be my ministry. But more often than not, our ministry that God uses are the things that break our hearts. The tough times that we go through that God uses. Opposition. Unmistakable success. A lot of times we can't see it because we think that everything's going to go our way. God will use opposition to help us out more than we will ever know. The next verse is in Philippians chapter 1, 13 and 14. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, that might not mean a lot to you, but there is so much in there. We could spend the next four weeks just talking about this. Because right here... For everyone here, including the whole palace guard. Now, you have, there's a little bit of backstory, and I'm going to tell it to you real quick. Nero is the emperor of Rome right now. He's the Caesar or whatever. He, he's the big kahuna in Rome. Nero has imprisoned Paul. Nero will eventually cut Paul's head off, okay? But here's a little preacher. He's an old man. And Nero wants him to be guarded. Now, who are Paul's guards? Do you think they're the centurions that guard the battlefront? No. They're not going to... Paul's not going to do anything, right? He's, in, he's living in a house under guard. But these palace guards that it talks about, the Praetorian guard, you know who they were? They were noble people's sons. They are the noble people's sons that have a stint in the army, okay? Cush job, all you got to do is sit there and guard this preacher day and night. It is these noble people's sons that are guarding Paul that will end up the ones that will make the choice of who replaces Nero. And what an opportunity to change Rome is God brought in everybody that's going to be the future decision makers and Paul preaches to them 
and they all become Christians. You want to talk about unmistakable success? What everybody thought is opposition, Paul said, I'm going to turn this in and God's got me here for a reason. So I'm going to preach to the only person around. I'm going to preach to this guy and they all get saved. For everyone here, including, did he say a few of the palace guard? Including the whole palace guard. The future decision makers of Rome, as a result of Paul's imprisonment, and as the opposition that's all around Paul, Paul preaches to him, and you know what happens to them is the same thing that can happen to you. That God wants to happen to you, and it's right there that they have gained confidence and become bold. Do you know what? That's what God wants for you, is to become confident and to learn to be bold. Because, see, I know there's a lot of you out here that, boy, we put on a good front. Oh, yeah, we're tough, you know, we... Blah, blah, blah. But inside, we're, we're just, we're afraid. And that's not bad. But we're afraid. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't know what we're supposed to say. We, we just hope that nobody's going to figure out that most of the time we walk around afraid all the time. But Paul says that we have, we have triumphal entry in Christ. A triumphal procession. That we have unmistakable success. And now, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speaks God's message without fear. Isn't that what you want in your life? Is to become confident, to become bold, where no longer do you have to be afraid of what's happening in this world that you've already won and you didn't have to do anything because God did it for you through His Son. Unmistakable success. But here's the main thing. After all of that, you know, Paul's just sitting there. He's not doing anything but doing some preaching. And so what does he do? He writes letters. He writes letters to the churches that he's planted. He sits there and he goes, man, what, can, what, what good use can I, I do? Well, he couldn't send an email back then, so he sits down and he pins these letters. Paul called the churches he planted his joy and his crown. Now, these are the churches that Paul started. The Corinthian church, Ephesians, Philippians, and, you know, Galatians, and all, all of those biblical books Paul wrote. And they were churches that Paul was writing to, and he called these churches his joy and his crown. But did you know that all those churches are gone now? Some of the cities that these churches existed in no longer exist. But the letters he wrote them have changed the world. Unmistakable success. Everything that this world says, man, you're in prison. Everybody's against you. you. I mean, you're just sitting here. You're being ineffective. That's not the way God works. God wants you to have unmistakable success. And the success that he's talking about is growing closer to him and letting him use you where no longer do you have to be afraid no more do you have to worry about what you're going to say that you can boldly speak what God has done in your life and He will come in and He will change your life. How can I have unmistakable success in Christ? Because I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, yeah, well that's Paul. That happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus has never, you know, I've never been blinded and then baptized and had scales fall off of my eyes like it records an axe. How can I have unmistakable success? success in Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. God has never gone back on a promise. He's never broken a promise. All of these promises are available to you. What you do with them 
is your business. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Now, does that mean that it will succeed just like you had planned? No. But you will succeed. You will succeed. And if, and if that's too churchy or that's too Bible for you, in the Simplified Cowboy version, it says this. Ask God to be the biggest part of everything you do and you'll rope what you're aiming for. Ask God to be the biggest part of everything you do and you'll rope what you're aiming for. That doesn't mean that you just ask God and then go do whatever you want and then it's going to happen. No, you make God the most important part, the biggest part of everything that you do and your plans will succeed. Proverbs 16.3 Commit your actions, everything you do. Another verse in the Bible says, Everything you do, do as if you were doing it unto Christ. Do everything for Jesus Christ. When you wake up in the morning, do it for Him. When, when you're going out to feed, thank Him that you're able to walk out there and feed and act like you're feeding His animals because you are. They're not yours. We're just caretakers in this world. Second thing, take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Does this not sound like unmistakable success? And these are promises that God has made for you and for me in order to achieve His plans and even some of ours. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Or in the Simplified Cowboy Version, and if some of you are wondering what the Simplified Cowboy Version is, it's something that I have done. It's a Bible paraphrase. A lot of people say uh, the Bible's just hard for me to understand. And so I am taking the Bible and I am paraphrasing it. It is not the actual Bible. I'm not saying that. But I'm just trying to put it in easier to understand words so that we can go back to the real Bible verse and understand it a little better. The Simplified Cowboy version of Psalm 37.4 says, Make God your favorite part and He will give you what your heart longs for. Make God your favorite part. Ride with Him every single day. Depend upon Him every single day. Everything that you do, commit all of your actions as if to, unto the Lord. Make God the best part of everything you do and you'll rope what you aim for. Make God your favorite part and He'll give you what your heart longs for. He longs for you to have unmistakable success in accomplishing what He has put you here to do. And I'm telling you that nothing that you will strive to do on this earth apart from that will ever fulfill you. Because see, God created you for a purpose to bring Him glory. And in return, He builds us up. He says that we are like a lighthouse on a hill, shining bright. We don't do it for our own glory, we do it for His. And in return, God says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be given unto you. He said, man, when you put all your faith and trust in me, I give you everything else. And the last thing, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. I told Ty this week, I said, Ty... If anybody knows, it's you. I've been having a real, real hard time. Because, see, I asked God to help me grow. That ain't easy, folks. He goes, yeah, I, I've noticed something's been wrong. And you know what he's been working on me with? Humility. Dang. You want to talk about a rough lesson? When you, when you think you're ready, big boys, <laughs> you better tuck your pants in your boots. Because it gets a little bit rough. Because when you want to practice being humble, he gives you about a million opportunities to practice being humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Or in the Simplified Cowboy version, let the boss point out the holes in your character and He will make you a top hand. Let God, let the boss point out the holes in your character because see, you've got some holes in your character. I do. I got some gaping ones and I was really, 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 really hoping that God would just let me slide with some of that and He just kind of laid it on my heart. He said, you about ready? Yeah, I guess so, God. 
Let's do it. See, I used to get mad tie roping because he'd nitpick me. I'd get mad. He just he'd find something wrong with me. But the reason he does it because he loves me and he wants me to he wants me to succeed. And just like Ty does in my roping, God's gonna work it in his life, in your life, in my life. He's gonna start nitpicking us a little bit, not to not to do anything except to grow you. Maybe you're having a hard time right now. Maybe you're you kind of lost sight of, of of what's important. See, God wants us to succeed in Christ. Let the boss point out the holes in your character and he will make you a top hand. See, I want about 300 top hands in this community. Because I guarantee if we had 300 top hands in this community, we can change this county. We have a whole county full of top hands, we can change this state. When we have this whole state, America, America, the world. But you know who it starts with? You. Unmistakable success. How will people know who you are? If you don't have to do all those things as a cowboy to be a cowboy, then how will we know if you're a cowboy? And if you don't have to do all of those things to be a Christian, how will we know you're a Christian? One of the marks is unmistakable optimism. The second mark is we will always succeed. Maybe not the way we had planned, but we will succeed. Unmistakable success. Ask God to be the biggest part of everything that you do. Make God your best friend. If you don't know Him, today's a real good chance to get to know Him. And if you still don't know, you want to start some advanced stuff, find somebody that does know Him and start hanging around with them. Come hang out with us. And I ain't talking about riding horses and everything. I'm talking about growing in God. You want to have unmistakable success? Ask God to be the biggest part of everything you do. Make God, make God your favorite part. And let the boss point out the holes in your character. And you can come cry to me if you have to, because it's going to hurt. I promise you. Because I understand. I completely, completely understand. God has a plan for each and every one of you. And it's a good plan. It's everything that you've ever wanted in your life. Do you have the courage to be unmistakably optimistic? Don't you want to have unmistakable success in becoming who God has called you to be? You don't have to wait till Monday. Everybody wants to start stuff on Monday. Jesus wants you to start right now. Let's go to him in prayer. God, we just thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you for the success that you've given us. You have overcame the world. You said it is finished. Everything that we need, everything that we want, everything that we desire is found in you. And then what you do with us after that can change lives. It's going to change the world. But God, you are really talking to somebody here today. And they're, they're listening on the internet. They're listening on the radio. They're sitting here today. And they, boy, they're just fighting it. God, give them the courage and the honor and the respect and the integrity, the strength and the truth to finally say, you know what? This ain't about me anymore. This is about Jesus Christ. And I give him my life. Not Monday, not tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or when I get these things straightened out. God, give them the courage to give them your life, to give their life to you right now. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.